Listen, it's per- there. I would usually say on record that there is no such thing as the perfect man, but Jamie from Lock and Key is out here to prove to me that I am clearly wrong. podcast where we hate spinnerbait but we love working audio that's a little in joke for everyone who listened to last week's episode which hopefully if you're joining us for lock and key part three listen to lock and key part two if you didn't make it to the end i don't blame you things got a little wild last week (laughs) things were off the rails to say the least so we had a great time it's unhinged but it was fun I'm Bethany. Everyone, hi. Welcome. And hopefully, I don't want to drink it, but hopefully our audio can just work this week. With me, as always, of course, is Michael Ann. Michael Ann, how are you doing? How much on a scale of one to thriving? How much are you thriving right now? Three. <laughs> <laughs> no, I am. <laughs> solid. Solid I am doing great. Just so everybody gets an idea, the timestamp, we're recording this on Monday the 17th. So pretty far in advance. This weekend, I'm going back to Boston for like the 800th time in the past two weeks. I mean, two months, Um, (laughs) which is fine, though, because we're celebrating my parents' 50th wedding anniversary. So congrats to them. What an achievement. Big congrats. Yeah. I don't know if I ever told you about... I really, yeah, I'm not realizing. I don't think I told you the story. Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. Your mother complimenting me on my headband yes. that I wore at your wedding. And then she was like, I've worn this cute, these cute little headbands. Right? Like, I think I may have yeah. told you this when you're in North Carolina. Um, she's like, and, but I didn't want to do it today or whatever. Uh, so I hope that for your mother's 50th, she wears a cute headband and she just has her shining moment because she seems to like a cute headband, but she didn't want to wear it on your special day, which honestly is considerate of her. But on her big 50th anniversary, that is what I wish for your mother. Shiny headbands. Yes. Well, <laughs> Shiny sparkly We headbands. are doing a vow renewal for them. So hopefully they she she brings out all the stops. And if she doesn't, I'll bring I'll wear a sparkly headband. It's not it doesn't go with my outfit, but in honor of. Yeah. Love. Love is great. We love uh we love the big five O and going to Boston for the umpteenth yes. time. I'm very tired. I just want to stay home. <laughs> I'm tired. I will be so when yeah, you all are listening to this. I will have already gone to Nashville, but right now I have not gone to Nashville yet. So hi, future Bethany. How was Ed Sheeran? Was it great? I'm sure it was. Were you hot? Probably. Was it worth it? Absolutely. I hope you had a great time. <laughs> <laughs> Is it outside? It is outside. Yay. Oh, no. <laughs> Who decided the Southeast in July? I don't know. Um, the booking people made some choices. I made choices by deciding to pick this concert. 
But yeah, this is their only concert. The one I have in Minnesota is in a dome. The one that I saw Taylor Swift in Atlanta was in a dome. In Sweden, it's Sweden in, a in a dome. Like I've actually really lucked out recently with with dome concerts. This is the one that is outside. The weather actually looks not terrible, all things considered. Also, not to go on our like umpteenth climate changes real rant, but the weather in Savannah this upcoming Friday. Again, we are recording on Monday the 17th. So this upcoming Friday, it literally says 100 degrees. Not the feels like temperature. Like it is 100 degrees. Mm. And then Fahrenheit also. Apparently, we do have some European listeners. So for y'all, Fahrenheit. I know. <laughs> That's Celsius. Um, and we'll probably be hotter than that feels like i will be in nashville and not in Savannah on friday thank god but um but yeah climate change is real i just want to throw that out there i like looked at the weather today and i was like savannah is broken mm-hmm. <laughs> it's gonna be 100 degrees on friday that's that's wrong i know it's just wrong it's it's happening it's here it is here, here. um i do want to say that when I was in high school, this girl transferred into our grade sophomore year and she wanted to stand out, I guess. So she spread a rumor that she used to give a bunch of head at her old school to boys, even though we went to an all girls school, she just wanted cred. And she gave herself the nickname <laughs> Dome Girl. So when you said dome concerts, I it was all I could think about. <laughs> so shout out to that girl. Uh, I hope you're thriving. <laughs> I really dome girl. I hope you're the wow. What a weird nickname to give yourself. There's wow. It was odd. But wow. You know we were. That is very odd. Um, I now every time I enter a dome for the next few concerts I attend, I'm going to think of that. I'm going to think of dome girl. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess you could say we're a couple of dome girl dome girls right now, aren't we, the ladies? Yeah, you and your mom, a couple of dome girls. I don't know. <laughs> couple of dome girls what can i say that's what they say about us (laughs) i haven't heard anybody call giving head dome in since then i think i don't even think that's slang anymore very yeah i don't yeah hey gen z slash gen alpha listeners if you're out there is anyone calling it dome anymore i don't think so i have not heard that in a very 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 long time probably since lock and key was published yeah that's segue was that my there segue giving head was that my segue into us <laughs> recapping what we've read so far oh it begins welcome this is a, this is a family friendly podcast is it i don't know <laughs> probably I not my, i think we've long passed that long past i told that. my nieces to listen to this but let's be honest they're in seventh and eighth grade they know they're hearing kids talk about dome okay they might not might not call it dome oh yeah (laughs) we all know okay they know about dome whatever they're calling it these days what is it what was the the hot dog or whatever what what's the term that andrew taught you again lizzie's that's right that's what they're called did i get that out of the episode we (laughs) talked about it in I don't know. I can't remember now. Well, just in case we didn't. Well, if that made the episode, call back. But if it didn't make the episode, I just want you guys to know that Andrew, my husband, told me that glizzy was the new slang term for a hot dog. So I was using that word instead of hot dog with my young nieces and nephews. And then a couple days later, Andrew said, oh my gosh, it also means penis. 
So I was like that dumb fucking old person saying penis thinking I'm saying hot dog. Yep. There she was, everyone. There she was with the glizzy. Oh, okay. So great. So great. Shall we shall we recap? What have we read so far? (laughs) I guess we should probably get off this topic and get on to the topic of this very lovely novel. So oh god, oh geez. Hold on. Let me fix let me get my shit together. Also, my nails are almost the exact same color as my pen. This is God, I really am just on point today with my theming. Look at this. Wow. Spot on. Spot on. Spot on. Spot on. (laughs) It's the little things in life that really get me out of bed some mornings. (laughs) Let me tell you. Okay, a little recap. We have our sweet little Ruby. She has been living in squalor with her alcoholic mother for many years. Her sister is older than her. She went off to college. um, And they never heard from her again, supposedly. She has now moved in with her sister, Cora, and her sister's husband, Jamie. They have a cute little dog named Roscoe. She's going to Perkins Day. She's made a friend, kind of. His name is Nate. He is her neighbor. And where we left her was Cora gave her money to go to the mall to buy some new clothes. And there was kind of this awkward moment where Cora wanted to spend the day with her, but didn't really communicate that. And so Ruby's going to be alone, which she's fine with. Chapter five. Let's do it. So she's supposed to go to the mall, but she's feeling a little crazy. So she gets on the bus and goes to Marshall's. And unfortunately, that's not the store. That is this man's house. I know, which I knew it was his house, but it is sort of funny, like the way it is, because she's talking about going shopping and she's like, I headed to Marshall's instead of the mall, because that is something you could say in reference to a store. But no, it's this just like shitty dude's house that she went to, who lives with Rogerson, who is like the shittiest Shittiest of shitty shitty dudes. dudes. But she gets to his apartment. It's kind of like a shitty apartment that's really cheap and it's pre-furnished, which is perfect for a couple of young guys. Um so she knocks on the door and who answers the phone but rogerson she said i didn't know much about rogerson other than the pot thing and that he and marshall work together at in the kitchen at sopa's a mexican joint in town which of course they work in a kitchen of course these are a couple of line cooks and not a mexican place that's that does sound yeah yep yeah Yeah, she said Rogerson apparently spent some time in jail, something about assault, but she wasn't sure if that was really true. I'm here to tell you that it is true. It is true. Yeah. So she goes into Marshall's room and he's they're doing that like thing where they don't really like each other. But I think like she went to Marshall's because she needed as much closeness as she currently allows herself to feel. And he is like a comforting presence, even if it's meaningless for her, because 
she can't really bring herself to get any closer than this with someone. So this is like her, this is her human yeah. connection, which is just sex with this like random guy who's kind of nice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which again, that is the spot on. It's the most like connection that Ruby is allowing herself right now. She wouldn't actually let herself get close to someone. So Marshall's like a really safe choice in this moment because it's like, oh, I can go like have connection with someone i can i can you know hug someone i can touch someone i can sleep with this guy but we won't have to get on each other like in a deep emotional connection like it can be all like physical but like that's enough for what she needs right now so presumably they have sex um yeah she says here and it was nice to let someone get close again even if it was just for a little while and after they do the dirty, he has to go to work, so they get dressed and they and she leaves. Um, she says here, I didn't necessarily have to get out first, but I wasn't about to be left behind, which is like the most common theme of this is like Ruby getting left behind, yes. Ruby being abandoned, like she has some deep issues there. But then she goes to the mall. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah, she baby. buys some clothes. Good for her. Yes, girl. She says here, um, still seeing my cash dwindle made me very nervous. In fact, I felt slightly sick as I started down the airy center of the mall towards the exit, which is probably why I noticed the help wanted sign right ahead, right away. Sign ahead, right away. And let me tell you, the panic as you see your money dwindle is like the most relatable feeling even if you're doing it on necessities even if you're like none of my clothes mm-hmm. fit me I need to buy a single pair of clothes it's like seeing your bank account lower is like yes girl I get it panic obviously I have not been at in her right. situation um yeah can't can't but, put myself completely in those yeah. shoes but I can put myself in the panic over money going bye bye shoes <laughs> Yes. That I can relate to. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So she uh, gets a job and guess who's her boss? Harriet. Harriet. Yes, Harriet. Mm -hmm. I love, I love getting to know more about Harriet. I love what we know so far and the chapters that we have read. And I also love her little relationship with the vitamin guy. What is his name? Robbie, I think. Uh, oh, I think so. I love their relationship. I think so yeah. Cute. He's he's adorable. Harriet is so frazzled and adorable and also like relatable in a sense. Like she's running this little kiosk in the mall of jewelry. She's a self-made person. And, you know, Ruby sees this. She's she's panicking because again, like Ruby has lived so long on nothing that like now, of course, the fact that her her sister and brother-in-law are very well to do like that is clear and so to them like giving someone two hundred dollars to go shopping because again it's a necessity like she legitimately has no clothes like she says she's been wearing the same like two three outfits you know to school or whatever and she needs to have more than that so she's going and you know and we love a deal queen like she's like buying five shirts for 25 we respect so she's doing that but of course is like you know again when you're not well to do two hundred dollars is and it's just like seems like such a frivolous thing to waste on 
on clothes, even though it's not a frivolous clothes. Again, this is necessary clothes. But she's panicking a little bit. She sees this help wanted sign. And I think it's just, yeah, it's like she was so used to scrimping and saving because like she has this dream of like when I turn 18, I'm going to I'm going to get out of here. That I think she thinks of like I need to keep every dollar as a necessity. But she kind of says at the beginning of the chapter like she feels bad because she knows that her sister gave this to her for clothes. So she's like, I can't come home empty handed. So yeah, it's like this like, yay, this is meant to be. Here's this sign for a job. And Harriet, it's just like the funniest job interview process ever because Harriet's like, yeah, I need help, but I don't really need help. No, everything's fine. I'm fine because she like cannot delegate, which is also like in me. <laughs> I feel that into my bones. <laughs> yeah. Um, she's going to stress out about it and like not be able to sleep. And she like lives off caffeine, but she cannot delegate tasks. And yeah, I can relate. So she's literally I. Go ahead. I was like, Bethany, I'm going to be the only person who edits the podcast <laughs> from here on out because I can't handle the lack of control. This is very I can't. Relatable. I need to be in control of something. <laughs> I have to control it. I need to. Um, yeah, that's I somehow end up opening in every job that I ever work. And it's, it's like it just falls on me. Like in my old job, I ended up being like one of the go to openers. I've now worked at my new job for like less than four months and you want to know who's opening that bitch up me like can't, <laughs> like I evidently like I just have to have the control of like like I need things to be set up to where like my day is on the right foot you know what I mean and like when someone else is setting that up I can't I can't do mm-hmm. it so anyhow that's my little bit of controlness apparently that I have in me but Harriet is yeah it's just like she she's offering a job like both of these people are stressed in like two different ways you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and it's kind of this perfect storm because Harriet's like anyone else would have been like this lady is crazy no I'm not taking this job but because Ruby is so like I need a job I'm just like stressed I just spent money on like what she thinks of as frivolous things she kind of like stands there and is like so do 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 I have this job or not and this is where our our vitamin friend kind of comes in and a, we first get to meet him, and B, he's kind of explain. He's kind of the reason she gets the job because if it was up to just Harriet, Harriet would continue it to just be a one woman show. <laughs> yeah, she Ruby like understands Harriet because she also strives to be a one woman show. She also strives yes. to not have any help, not have anyone else around, and obviously it's for possibly a different reason. It's in a different context, but she like gets that, so she's like. I'll, I'll stand around here. This vitamin guy seems like you really need help. <laughs> <laughs> Which was She's love. like, I'll break her down. I'll break her down eventually. She'll, she'll want to give me a job. And she does. Yeah. And she has an absolutely crazy first day with an in-depth orientation, an intricate register tutorial. Oh, his name is Reggie. I'm sorry, I called him Reggie. Reggie. I knew Robbie didn't sound right, but I knew it was something. I was like, like something with an R. <laughs> yes, I love the the emergency response plan. That that's part of her first day, and that's my favorite part. <laughs> it's just like, what are you gonna do if there's a tornado or blah 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 or a terrorist attack on the mall? Also, is Harry at us? Because that's something that like we would be concerned about. Like, well, but there's a possibility. As two people have discussed, I don't know. Again, because we cut a lot of this out of the episodes. But the two of us, in the amount of times that we have discussed when we should be discussing Sarah Dessa novels, discuss our weird fear of movie theaters because, like, you don't know. Um, and how going to Disney Springs always made me feel better because you had to go through security. Someone being like, what's our terrorist attack plan if something happens while you're working a jewelry kiosk in the mall is very on brand for us. So, Harriet, we understand yes. you. 
Yes, 100%. I make a escape plan every single place I go at all times. Yeah, which is terrible that that's the way we have to live. And yet that is the way we have to live. America. America. I love you. (laughs) So then Nate shows up because he has to drop something off for Harriet. And I love that Reggie has been giving Nate shark cartilage supplements. That is so funny and random. And actually, I'm going to Google right now and see if those exist. I think it's real. Like, I do think that's a weird, like, very, again, as to people who love maintenance phase, that's a very weird, um, grifty, like, thing that I think people do sell people. Like, I don't know if it's exactly shark. Yes. Yeah. Shark cartilage. Like, some kind of cartilage is. is a thing. Shark cartilage may not only provide inflammation relief, but also inhibit the vascularization of cartilage. I'm going to say none of this is real. I'm just going to say it. (laughs) Might increase calcium levels. Makes the immune system more active, which if you listen to maintenance phase, you know that's just not true. Mm -hmm. It's not how the immune system works. No. Um. So anyway, it's a load of shit. Let's be honest. <laughs> but, but hey, if it's making Nate feel better, <laughs> then good for him. Listen, Reggie's got to make a living, y'all. And if this is how he does it, I salute you, sir. Capitalism. Yeah, it's rough exactly. out there. It's rough out there. So Nate's actually really surprised that she got the job because they've ha- she's had that um, for help on and sign up for six months, he says. And he pretty much just like pops by and then leaves. Yep. We learned about a shark cartilage. I think that's an important detail. <laughs> yes. The shark cartilage. I had to bring it up. It just stood out so much. Yeah. She's so then Harriet's kind of like, so uh, friends with Nate. So you and Nate kind of trying to get some hot goss. And she Ruby doesn't really give her anything because that's Ruby. And she says, but if anyone could understand why I didn't do this, I figured it had to be Harriet. She didn't delegate well in her professional life. I had the same reluctance, albeit more personal. Left to my own devices, I'd be a one-woman operation as well. Mm-hmm. And then she says, unfortunately, though, with Nate, the damage was already done. But now here I was, too far gone to be a stranger, not ready to be friends. The little acquaintance we had made still managing to be somehow too much. My gosh, this poor freaking girl. Yeah. Girlfriends. Girlfriends. It's okay. You can let people in. I know it is very scary and you have been burned, but let people in. It's good for you. It's good for your mental health. It really is. Just look at keeping the moon. Yes. Yes. Iconic. That's the thing. This is the problem about the Saradescent universe is that these characters don't have Saradescent to read because like in universe everyone is real <laughs> so like they don't have these books to turn to to like help them mend their souls <laughs> exactly exactly these books mend my soul up until now I'll probably read yeah. these books again in 10 years and still I'll still mend my soul I'll still be like learning things and and coming of age with them and crying and Ruby doesn't have that. Like, who is she reading? You know, I, I don't know. Does Judy Bloom in- exist in this? I Judy hope Bloom so. Is- 
if Judy right. Bloom doesn't exist, I, you know, you know that like meme that's always like, in all of time and space, and you were lucky enough to be born. Dur- I was lucky enough to be born during a time where I could have Judy Bloom help raise me, and boy, am I thankful for that. So. Mm-hmm lucked out on that one didn't luck out on any other aspect of the society mm. i grew up in but, mm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. boy did i win and the fact that i got to grow up reading sarah Dessen and judy bloom so count myself fortunate in that regard <laughs> yes yes exactly she's back at cora's and cora and jamie are throwing a party yes which they like forgot to tell her <laughs> I know. Which, very, very like, strange. Very strange. And very like rich people of them, which usually, again, we are, you know, complimenting Jamie for, uh, yes, obviously he's a, a lavish house with a pond and stuff, but like overall he doesn't give rich dude energy, but just like throwing yeah. a party on a random day and not telling someone a little bit of rich dude energy. That's all right. We'll allow him this one. We will allow him. Maybe Cora was going to tell her when they get one to lunch, but then True. she got too nervous. That kind of, yeah. So speaking of Cora, when I almost said Coley, when Ruby <laughs> comes inside, she overhears um, Cora and her friends. Her friends are pretty much comforting Cora because Cora is having a hard time getting pregnant. Um, and I thought this storyline was really interesting because, as we know, Sarah Dessen was pregnant when she was writing this book. Mm-hmm. So it's like. She was working through like her, I mean, I don't know if she had fertility issues, but it's very common for you to have fertility issues. So, um, so it's like, she's like working through this. It's cool to see that intertwined in the book. Um, seems like a very universal feeling for women who want children and are trying for them. Yes. Also so interesting to piggyback off of that thought that I mean and she kind of addressed this a little bit in the interview but that you know this book being so much about family is so interesting mm-hmm. and she's like creating a family you know in, in that essence by by having a kid so yeah, yeah just such an interesting cool thing also did you see that she made a little reel of her little fun facts on Instagram of course. obviously you saw but like just wanted to acknowledge that it really made me happy and also I was like did we inspire this slightly I feel like we did I'm gonna take credit because us by being like hey we're about to go read this book what's a little fun fact you can give us so we can think of that while we're reading and then like she comes out and does that so I will be going back to some of those fun facts for when we read those novels can we talk about how that summer was published when she was still a waitress i know isn't that wild and people would like bring it so she could sign it while she was like serving them can you imagine i wish i could have been like a cool i was like a wee itty bitty child so i would never have been able to be a hipster sarah dessen fan but i wish i was cool enough that i could have like popped up to the flying burrito and had sarah dessen like sign my book while she was serving me some like you know nachos what a what a time to be alive that must have been. <laughs> I know. Also, like, how cool. Like, how, like, that's the dream. Yeah. That's literally it is the, the dream. dream. Literally like, the dream. The whole time I was in my early 20s and I was getting my writing degree, I was like, I'm going to be an author and I'm going to have books published. And it was like a dream to be like, I get to quit serving because now I'm a published author. Yeah. And she actually got to live that She dream. did it. Like, she literally she did, did it. it. What a queen. What an inspiration. I'm still, I'm in my, you know, Stanley didn't really become Stanley until he was 40. So I feel like there's still time for us. 
That's yes. My, that's my new yes. hope. Yeah, I'm like, oh, okay, Harrison Ford didn't get famous until yeah. he was in his 40s. Like, we, yeah, we like, got time. We got this. There's so many people that, like, didn't really start their careers until, quote, unquote, later in life. Like, we're in the grand scheme of a human's lifespan. We're still pretty itty-bitty. Yeah, and so look at us. Go. We got a podcast. We got 1,100 yeah. followers on Instagram. And we're before you thriving. Know it, we're going to be sponsored by Dr. Pepper. Yeah, it's happening. It's going to be great. That's true. That's going to be great. Absolutely so, true. The party. The baby. Oh, also, one more thing about the baby. Earlier, I think in chapter one, which was the only chapter we read on the first episode of this because we had a lot to talk about. Okay, y'all? And she was taking her temperature. <laughs> and I was like, if memory serves, I think this has to do with something. And it was this. Yes, it was. I was thinking correctly that it was, she was trying to get pregnant because I was like, I'm pretty sure she's taking her temperature because it's a fertility thing. And yeah, it was. So yay, memory. You're still in there somewhere. Just wanted wanted to shout that out. I did. I read this book one time about um, like your period and the menstrual cycle and it was really good. And it was like, you should start tracking your menstrual cycle so you know where you're at. And part of it was taking your uh, temperature before you got out of bed every day. And I did that for about three days. And I completely (laughs) forgot that that was a thing when you're like tracking your period and your fertility. Yeah. Like take your temperature. Take your temperature. That's a wild thing. Right over women's bodies are amazing. I just want to throw that out there one more time. I think we've discussed this before on this podcast, but just to reiterate, God, they're amazing. Yeah, seriously, (laughs) magic for real, straight up magic. So yeah, she's overhearing some conversation that she's a little like, should I be overhearing this conversation? And she shouldn't be, but they come out. Denise, she meets Denise and Charlotte, which is um, uh, Cora's friends from college, her her BFFs. And Denise says that they look alike in the around the eyes. And this like really fucks Ruby up a little bit. She's like, Okay. Yeah, it says here, I kept thinking about what Denise had said and the resemblance she claimed to be able to see. Maybe my sister and I shared more than we thought. We were both waiting and wishing for something we couldn't completely control. I wanted to be alone and she the total opposite. It was weird, really, to have something so contrary in common, but at least it was something. So she's like, yeah, we we are connected. Like I, She is starting to like build some sort of connection with her sister. Oh my god. Hi everyone. The edit might be weird right now, but that is because we lost Bethany again. But it's okay because she is back. And I'm back, we're talking baby. Uh, we're talking about how Cora and or how Ruby is feeling slightly more connected to Cora because she they are both waiting and wishing for something that they couldn't completely control. Um Ruby wanted to be alone and Cora wants baby and they just have to live with the cards they were dealt. Exactly. Exactly. Also, everyone, my husband did just send me a Amazon prime for the cord that I will need to fix my microphone. So fear not. This will hopefully, I don't want to jinx us, but this will hopefully be the last episode where there's weird edits because of my audio. 
I also saw a billboard for cheer cheer wine today on my way to my uh, psychiatrist. Yes. Of you. Yes. Honestly, that brings me joy. <laughs> okay. So this party is going and it sounds like there's like a ton of people. Um, She's walking around and Jamie is like frantically looking for Roscoe. He doesn't know where she, he is. And uh, Ruby offers to go find him, and she does find him. He is in Nate's backyard. Uh, Mr. Cross has found him, and Roscoe has gotten into their garbage, and it looks like Mr. Cross is going to strangle the dog before yeah. Ruby is like, um, hi, I'm right here. Please not strangle my dog. It but, gets real animal abusey real quick. Yes. Like he's like, oh, you got in my trash. I'm going to strangle yeah. you. Like yeah. if I found my neighbor strangling my dog, even Willow, I would be like, I'm calling <laughs> the police. Like what is wrong with you? Yeah. I don't know if I call the police, but you call whoever you call in that situation. True. Yeah. The, it's, it's not, it's not cool. And I love that like Ruby, who's all like, I don't like the dog I don't like the dog like the second she sees this just like yells to the dog because again anyone with a conscience would if they saw something this bad would be like what the hell but also like I think in that moment like she realizes like maybe maybe I do care about this dog a little bit because she saw it struggling and was like must rescue dog (laughs) yeah oh yeah, this was not a good look for Mr. Cross. And then he does that like really creepy thing where he pretends like nothing's yeah. happening and he's just like smiling at her and he's like, good fences, make good neighbors. Yeah. Oh my um, God. What a dick, honestly. I'm like, therapy helps anger management. <laughs> <laughs> just ask Owen. It's true. So yeah, that was pretty freaky. Like that is just, that was like alarming. I read that and I was like, this is like hits you out of nowhere. Yeah. And like, um, and that's kind of what Ruby says too. She's like very disturbed as she walked away. Yeah. It's kind of like, I don't, I don't know exactly what it is, but like, this was very, like the fact that he like, like, obviously it's very disturbing what he tried to do to Roscoe, but then the fact that he immediately like, you know, flips a switch and is like, like creepy Stepford neighbor. I think she's like very freaked out by because it it's like, okay, clearly mm. he can very easily put a mask on and pretend to be like Mr. Perfect all American guy. So like, what is going on with this dude? You know? Yeah. What is Nate going through is mm-hmm. what I would be thinking, you know, first and foremost, if I saw this, because like, if you can do this to a small dog who got into your trash because he's a dog and that's what dogs do. Right. Um, like, what are you doing to your son if he, like, does anything out of line that you've decided is out of line? Like, exactly. So that's dark. But mm-hmm. she goes back to the party. Roscoe is cool. He's chilling. And Denise comes back up and is basically telling her, Um, like that's what happens when you're overwhelmingly social, you accumulate a lot of people and Ruby assumes she's talking about Jamie, but actually she's talking about Cora and this takes Ruby by surprise. She's like, I don't really know her, um, to be honest. And, um, she says she's really good with people, you know, empathetic. I personally couldn't have survived my last breakup without her or any of my breakups really. 
And this must be so sad for Ruby to hear that she's like this empathetic person who is like really there for people because she feels abandoned by her. So she's probably thinking like, why was she here for all of, for these people? Why don't I know this side of her? Um, And we'll find that out shortly, but um, (laughs) yeah, she says she talked about you a lot in college and then she gets cut off because of course she does Mm -hmm. for the drama. Also, while she's having this conversation with Denise, Jamie has started to play the guitar, which is interesting and will be brought up again later, actually. But he is playing Led Zeppelin. So I love that, like, once a book, you got to get a little Led Zeppelin acknowledgement. I'm just kidding. It's not that often. But this is at least the third time now that Led Zeppelin has been mentioned in a Sarah Dustin novel. And, you know, what? honestly, I respect it. I love that. She's a big, she's a big Zeppi yeah. head. Except big zip head. That's what they're called. <laughs> they call themselves the old zip heads. <laughs> it's muffin time, baby. We're doing it's it. We're time. back. The zeppies are at muffin time. <laughs> that's what I've heard. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Oh. Okay. But yeah, back to this Denise. She gets pulled away. <sighs> I just want. I just want Cora and Ruby to talk and we're going to lead to, I think big conversations are going to be happening very soon, but yeah, this first little bit, I'm just like all these little breadcrumbs that they find out about each other. I mean, more, I guess Ruby finds out about Cora because obviously we are reading this novel from her perspective, but yeah, it's just yeah. like, uh, yeah, it makes me yeah. sad she starts like looking into the crowd and she sees Cora standing outside smiling, looking much, looking so happy. And, you know, she's just kind of like staring at her, like observing her thinking about all these people are here because of Cora. And she flashes back to her mom saying she has her own life. Now my mom had told me again and again, this was it. And I wondered what that must be like to actually get to start again, forget the world you knew before and leave everything behind. Maybe had it even been easy. So she's kind of thinking like, wow, it must be nice that she was able to leave me and my mom in this hellhole of a situation and start her own life. And now look, she's this fancy lady with all these friends. Um, And she's kind of like melting down a little bit in her head about it. Hmm. Um, she says all this time I'd been so angry. Cora had forgotten me just wiped our shared slate clean, but now I was doing the same thing. Where was my mother? Was it really this easy once you escaped to just not care? So again, we're just like, this is just coming right back to the fact that mom up and left with no notice. And it makes Ruby feel like, I mean, I can't imagine what it's like to get abandoned by your mother who is supposed to be, you know, mothers are supposed to be like your most nourish, nur- nurturing like loving um figure in your life and of course that's not always the case but um i'm clearly it's not here but yeah that must be ooh, yeah tough. yeah i think that's really i mean ob- and it's so interesting too because obviously from the get-go ruby and her mother have not had a good relationship like it's not like she's painting this like and my mother was the nicest most amazing person and i miss her a lot but still like it's your mom and it's still all she had for the longest time like it was like her and her mom against the world even if her mom was like a real crap mom 
And so I mm-hmm. think it's just that like, even with all of that, even the fact that she wasn't a perfect, perfect, perfect person, she wasn't a perfect mom. Like when someone just up and leaves you and then also like that almost in a way makes it worse because it's like, mm-hmm. you know, like how bad am I as a, as a person to be around if even she couldn't stand being around me and she's like a hot mess, you know, which of course would be you're wonderful and we love you and don't think that about yourself. But I'm sure that that would run through your mind, you know? Oh, yeah. Or poor Ruby. I just feel for her a lot. I know. I also feel for her. Um, and she says, like, she suddenly feels tired, overwhelmed. Everything's kind of hitting her at once, and her body kind of just shuts down, and she goes to sleep. Um, she wakes up a little while later. She doesn't know exactly how long, but there are still about 20 people there. So she goes outside to her balcony, and we find out that... The person singing now is not Jamie. I don't know if he was ever singing, but <laughs> Cora has joined him and she is singing the song that their mother used to always sing to her. Mm-hmm. And, and this hit, oof. I mean, can you imagine having such an intense couple of weeks and then yeah. this happened? And like, she must just be like, oh my God, overwhelmed. Um, she says, Cora, her voice pure and beautiful as it worked its way along the notes we'd both heard so many times. The song more than any other that made me think of my mother. I thought of how strange I'd felt earlier, thinking we'd both just forgotten everything. But this was scary, too, to be so suddenly connected, prompting a stream of memories, us in our nightgowns, her reaching out for me, listening to her breathing, steady and soothing from across a dark room, rushing back too fast to stop. I felt a lump in my throat, raw and throbbing. But even as the tears came, I wasn't sure who I was crying for. Cora, my mom, or maybe just me. Maybe all all the above. That might be all a, the above. A, a plausible option. Yeah. Ugh. Like, you know, that's obviously her mom wasn't happy because you don't beat your kids when you're happy. Right. Um, so she's, you know, her mom didn't get the life she wanted. Cora had to suffer and raise Ruby for as long as she did. And now Ruby's been suffering her whole life. I mean, basically, right. that's all she knows, especially since Cora left. And Cora left when she was like eight, I think. Yeah, she's um, pretty, pretty tiny. So it's like just devastating, honestly. Yeah. I find it interesting that Cora is singing this song. I hope we get like some more information about why she, she chose would... that. Yeah. Maybe yeah, it like is. Why she would still just this connection to her her past to her sister you know in a Mm -hmm. sense like maybe she does connect it to ruby i know obviously ruby kind of spoke earlier she connects it i mean she mostly connects it to her mother but i think there is a little bit of a connection to cora and you know when it was the three of them and stuff so that could be why but yeah we'll see if that i cannot recall if that gets touched on more later that she sings that song or or if it's just that's the one reference to it but yeah, I just can't imagine, like you were saying, you know, the couple of weeks that Ruby has had. And then, we, but also the fact that, like, yeah, she was just, like, so drained. She fell asleep and she wakes up and, like, this is what she hears. Like, can you imagine being in, like, this half awake, half asleep, like, dreamlike state? And it's, like, you're out on this cold balcony in this, like, home that still feels foreign to you. And then this, like, weird tether to your past, especially mm-hmm. after you were thinking, like, oh, my sister, like, 
yeah, her new life, she's completely moved on. And then hearing this and being like, oh, well, maybe, like, maybe not, you know, maybe she does still have some connection to, to me and to our mom and our, our shared history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, this is such a beautiful and unique story. I feel like from, I feel like this story is so different from the ones we've gotten in the past with Destin yeah. because normal, like, all the stories we've gotten previously, like there might be a mom who's kind of aloof. But yeah, we've seen moms who are kind of like aloof, some who are overbearing, but we've never seen one who's just straight up gone. And somebody who grew up in like, we had, you know, Coley lived in her car for a little while, but eventually her mom did become super rich. Right. And they did live like good lives. And when she went to go stay with her aunt, her aunt was rich. So right. it was like, this is the first main character that's seen like some real shit yeah. as a child. Yeah, to say the least. And yeah, it's so interesting as it's so like obviously there's still this like big mother daughter complex relationship in this novel. But for the first time, I feel like it's not it's not about her making amends with her mom in a sense. Like a lot of times, like again, the truth about forever, like gosh. Macy's mom does some like fucked up shit right like she she makes some really bad choices whatever but like you know at the end of the day she loves her daughter and she's grieving and like everything that she does it comes from a good place even if she doesn't execute it well as opposed to this mother like straight up abandoning her kid like and there's no coming back from that in my mind like you can forgive the situation to a certain extent but like that's not the point of this novel like this is you know it's more about her and her sister and even Jamie to like you know kind of being enveloped in this other kind of family or whatever you know her her new family which is also kind of her old family at the same time and I just think that's very interesting that yeah even though the mother-daughter relationship so looms so large over the story it's not really about them it's about this these sisters I guess kind of more in a sense and I just yeah that's it's definitely a little bit of a departure for Sarah and it's interesting and I, I love it I love that considering where she was at in her career you know, what is this, the sixth novel we've read, right? That she's like, here's the thing, I'm gonna, but I'm gonna switch up the formula a little bit. And mm-hmm. yeah, great. We love it. Also, one of her fun facts was that she had to rewrite the entire second half of this yeah. book. And I would really like to know, like, I'm sure she doesn't want to share because like she rewrote it for a reason, but I would love to know like what path she right. originally took the characters on. Yeah. Uh, like, where did this go? Like, where did your hormonal pregnancy brain right? take you with this story? Dying to know. <laughs> Dying to know. Uh, Cece, add that to the spreadsheet. Just kidding. <laughs> Cece, if you're listening, um, could you? <laughs> Please, thanks. We really appreciate you. And we do. Shout out to Cece and all our Discord people. Yes. Also, Brie, who sent me, like, the nicest message. You go, girl. Um, You nail that bar exam. You become a lawyer. I know. You're a bad bitch. I know. Love that. We do love that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, she's just out there, like, finishing. Like, I remember one time she was like, I'm a little behind in finishing up law school. And I'm like, I'm amazed you're up to date on anything ever in your life. What a hero. What a rock star. We love it. seriously i'm not in school and i can barely keep up with like my daily like jesus god i respect people who can multitask can't relate 
<laughs> Can't relate. Chapter six. Um, she starts this chapter off with like Jarvis is the most annoying person on the planet. He is 12 years old. He does. He he's a 12 year old boy. My nephews are around this age and they're like little assholes and you know, I love them, but, <laughs> but all 12 year old boys wanna, are assholes. It's, it's yeah, just the way you just of wanna, life. Like, you want to just give them like a noogie or a swirly and just be done with it. But anyway, other words that people probably don't use anymore. Yeah, maybe they do. And probably don't, but maybe they do. Well, in our anyway, day, that's in our day. But uh, let's see. So yeah, he like kind of rags on her all the time, like a twelve-year-old boy does. And then finally, on the Monday after Cora's party, Jarvis was not in the car. Hallelujah. 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 Nate basically is like, he likes you. Like, you know, Nate was once a 12-year-old boy, so he gets it. He's like, 12-year-old boys are dicks, as you know, as you said. Uh, and this is how he shows that he likes you. And she's like, why would he like me? And he's like, you're friendly to him. And she's like, I'm not remotely friendly to him. And he's like, you're not unfriendly. And she's like, I'm not friendly to you. Like, the first time I met you, I wasn't friendly. And he's like, you're not unfriendly. Like, it's just, it's such a sweet, and also it's just one of those, like, you know, from a certain point of view kind of moments. Like, Ruby thinks she's this terrible person who no one would want to be around. And Nate's like, you're fine. Like, you're totally, you're lovely to be around. I don't know why you think that about yourself. This is so relatable to me. This is me and Andrew's beginning of our relationship to a goddamn tea. <laughs> Like, I remember before we started dating, when we were just working together, there was this really annoying, horribly racist piece of shit guy that worked in the dish pit. And he was, like, always talking to Andrew. And I would always see them in the dish pit talking. And I would just, like, smile to myself because nobody talked to me because I'm not welcoming. <laughs> and uh, he was like, you have to teach me how to how to make people not talk to me. You just get, you got to teach me. And I was like, were you born in Boston? <laughs> Can't help you. It's just natural. It's a natural thing that comes to all Bostonians. <laughs> it's uh, you were born and raised in the South, so people are and, and you're a friendly looking guy. It's true. So He's a luck. very friendly looking guy. Like he just he does seem very approachable. So yeah, yes. Unlike me, <laughs> my glance does not give off approachable vibes. Can <laughs> confirm. Can confirm. <laughs> And that's how I like it. <laughs> that's so good. But yes, this was very sweet. He's like, you're not unfriendly. You're just reserved, which is what Andrew says to me as well. He's like, you're not unfriendly. You're just stoic. And I'm like, mm, okay. <laughs> but something exciting oh, we get is yes! he turns on the radio yes! and he's 
The DJ, some girl named Annabelle, was announcing the time and temperature, and then she put on a song, something peppy with a bouncy beat. I hope it was Jenny Reef. <laughs> it was Jenny Reef. You know it was Jenny Reef. I, I love it. Love I this love this cameo so much because not only do we get to see our girl Annabelle again, and you don't get to see her, but I guess we get to hear her. We get mention of her, but it lets us know that she's still doing it because it was something that was like, oh, yeah. she might be filling in for. Owen and like clearly she caught the bug and clearly she still does some stuff for the radio and I think that's awesome that makes me so happy to know that she's still out there doing you know her little show as well so get it girl I'm proud of you get it girl we love that and it's on a Monday morning so it's more traffic is she more popular than Owen golly it's probably because she doesn't do chanting Yes, it's probably because she plays normal music. Plays, I don't know. Just plays normal music that people actually want to listen to. Proud of her. <laughs> Bless you, though, Owen. Never change. Never change, buddy. So they go back to school. Um, or they're in school. And she's in that class again where she has to define family. She says that it's been almost two weeks since I'd come to Cora's and I was slowly getting adjusted. It wasn't like things were perfect, but we had fallen into a routine as well as an understanding. She said she's accepted that leaving was not in her best interest. She's finally unpacked, um, but she wasn't ready to spread out farther than her bedroom. Um, she takes her backpack upstairs every night. She fold, stands by the dryer and folds and puts her clothes right away, away, right away. And, um, yeah, she's just kind of talking about how weird it is to be living in, like, such a large house because she's so used to little cramped, dirty areas. Yeah. Yeah, I feel that. When you feel like you're in a position on someone just by being in their house and you think that you're not wanted there, even though she is, but her mind, she thinks she isn't. Yeah, I, th- I feel like you'd be like, I want to take up as little space as mm-hmm. I possibly can. Yeah, so she's in class. She says, so far, since given this assignment, all she has is, what is family? I've written in my notebook the first day as I opened it up now. I saw the rest of the pages was blank, except for the definition I'd gotten from the dictionary. A set of relations, especially parents and children. Eight words, and one was an abbreviation. If only it was really that easy. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not. (laughs) It's not. I also want to point out that... um, she jamie keeps giving her like pocket money and she was refusing it for a little while but then she starts taking it Mm -hmm. but she was still wary unsure of what would be expected of me in return which is so nothing yeah nothing nothing Nothing. he just wants to give you money so you can eat lunch every day right Mm. let let somebody take care of you it's okay that is what adult figures in your life are supposed to do (laughs) right oh sad so yeah she goes up to well she's kind of standing around and she's like well obviously chances are if we have to pair off and interview our classmates about our words I'm probably gonna ask Olivia because we're the only people who like kind of talk in this class but Olivia kind of seems to be distracted and she doesn't even be in a good mood so she's like oh maybe I won't and that like leaves her with Heather and she's like I'm not gonna talk to Heather so Olivia does end up come over to her and she's like, are we doing this or what? And she's like, oh, okay, I guess we're doing it. And then she totally just turns it around and doesn't make it like anything about the assignment at first. And she's like, do you know this person who used to go to Jackson, Michael Sullivan? And she's like, uh, it's kind of, I guess, maybe. And then she's like, okay, um, 
you know, do you, did you remember seeing him with a blonde? Do you know she was, you know, um, she's like a, a Minda or Macy or something like that. And then she kind of tells Olivia that, oh, yeah, the blonde back text too. Her name is Melissa West. I said, picking my bag. This is when this is when they're like leaving class or whatever. So they, she kind of acts a little bit blasé about it. It's like, Oh, I kind of know him, but I don't really, I, I didn't pay attention to Jackson. I don't know. It's a big school. So then they do their little like assignment. They quickly write down whatever. And so she kind of comes clean to her and says, it's Melissa. That's who you're thinking of. This is the, the girl. She's a sophomore, a total skank. I had to underline that because who uses the word skank anymore? Oh man, this is so 2008. <laughs> I love it. Um, and she plays soccer, not field hockey. And so Olivia is kind of like grateful to her for helping her solve this mystery. Also, Olivia's definition of family could not be further from my definition of family. It's like, it's people that are definitely blood and you have to be with them, like it or not. And I'm like, oh, it's not, not what I, how I would define it personally, but sure, Olivia, you angry teenager. <laughs> how? Yeah, she's like, they're the people in, you, in your life you don't get to pick, the ones that are given to you as opposed to those you get to choose, which is, yeah, like, girl, you hate your family, but right. what, is your de- <laughs> what is your definition of family? What is my definition of family? Oh, wow, I'm being put on the spot. No, I love it. Uh, <laughs> my, my definition of family, I'm definitely one of those people. So my absolute favorite trope in all of fiction is found family. I love it. I'm always a sucker. It will always make me sob because I think – that yes, for a lot of people, for a lot of very fortunate people in life, like myself, I have a very good family. The people that I actually share DNA and blood with are really good, amazing people who I want to hang out with. But I know that that is not the case for a very, very good chunk of the population. And I think that your family is who you make it. And I'm a big believer that um, your family is both the people that you were born with and the people that you make along the way. Again, the fact that my parents just so happened to be fated and sit, uh, get season tickets next to this lovely, well, two lovely couples, actually, um, on to the left and to the right of them. And then one time, the people that sat to the right of them were like, hey, do you want to come to our homecoming tailgate? And they were like, my parents were both like, you know, basically like, not well-to-do, like, late 20s, early 30s is when they got their season tickets because they got their season tickets, like, around the time I was born. So we're talking, you know, 32 years ago at this point. And so this, you know, couple was like, oh, do you want to come to our tailgate? And they're like, okay. And then those people were at every bridal shower, every one of our weddings. So, like, like that's family to me. Like, these people that, mm-hmm. like, you have these weird chance encounters with, and then before you know it, they become these staples in your life. And mm-hmm. all because my parents sat next to them in a football game. Like, that's crazy to me. But like that, like, I think that is what family is, is the people that you not only, you know, as Olivia says, you're liking or not the people that you're stuck with. But I think it's more the people that you choose. Because even in my actual blood family, there are people that I choose to surround myself with. And there's a lot of my extended family that I choose not to surround. We might have the same last name. We might share some DNA. But you are not my family. You know? mm-hmm. So... Yeah, those are my hashtag deep thoughts on family. Um, what say you, Michael Ann? What say you about family? Mm, you said it pretty well. You know, it is the people. I mean, even the family you're born with, as you said, like, you can have these people, but it doesn't mean anything if you don't have, like, any sort of relationship or if they're 
people you you don't want in your life because they're toxic. But I mm. am blessed personally. I have a solid relationship with my parents and my brothers and sisters and I are very close, just getting closer and closer with age. Um, and we've always said in my family, like, we're like the mafia. We're like, <laughs> you know, we're always there for each other. So, and that includes yeah. my family. Um, but then of course found family. Like I remember, um, when I moved to Florida, that was like an extremely difficult time for me and finding my Florida family changed my entire life. And, you know, that is, that's family. It's, it's, yeah. I don't know how, what else to say. I can't condense it into something, but yeah, it's, it's this the love, big, the support. It's the love. Yeah. It's the lo- It's like that person, you know, someone who, you know, you could call at 4am and they would come help you on yeah. a sticky situation. You know what I mean? And again, sometimes that is someone you actually share DNA with. And sometimes that is, is someone who has just always been there for you. And I think that that's, that's what family is. And I think that sometimes people think just because you share DNA that you need to have some kind of relationship with them or you need to do this, you need to do that. And it's like, F no, would I call you at 4am and would you come help me out in a sticky situation? No, you ain't family to me. And there are some people like, you can't even call them uh, at noon on a Saturday. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I can pick up the phone. (laughs) You sure as hell are not getting any kind of social treatment for me. Thank you very much. Um, I really feel like I should be holding a Corona right now and like, growling like Vin Diesel with all his family <laughs> family family. <laughs> family 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 is driving around an old American muscle car and then drinking a Corona at a barbecue while Tyrese earns a paycheck <laughs> I've never seen I've seen these movies when I was in middle school I watched them all and this is such a weird memory I watched them all with this girl Alyssa at Alyssa's birthday party I think I've talked about this and then I brought up Alyssa's birthday party to the person who was there not that much longer after that. And they said, I've never been to Alyssa's house for a birthday party. And so I don't know if I actually watched these movies with Alyssa and her friend or if I made that up, but I don't remember them regardless. My favorite thing about this podcast is the further we go on, like two weeks ago, you're like, I'm certain I never watched a Twilight and I would also like to say that if you're certain that you did watch Twilight with me, I apologize. Like there are certain <laughs> memories that you're like, I'm not sure if they happen. And then there are other memories that you're like, I'm so certain this happened, but I might be wrong and it might not be real. <laughs> like I love that the further we go on, the more and more you're like, I don't trust my own mind, guys. I don't know. I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Well, she, the girl was like, what do you mean? I've never been to Alyssa's house. And I remember being like, what the fuck are you talking like, about? I'm certain you were there. You were at Alyssa's house. You can't tell me otherwise. And it was not, it's not like I saw her like 10 years later. And I was like, remember that thing we did in the sixth grade? It was like a year, maybe like six months. And I was like, oh yeah, you were at Alyssa's party. And she was like, no, I've never been to Alyssa's house. You weirdo. And I'm like. And it has fucked my life up ever since. And I can't ask Alyssa because she lives in France and I haven't spoken to her probably since that party. And you're frozen again. So I might just be talking to myself. So yeah, she's all like, it's Melissa. There you go. She's like, thanks for the intel. Then she comes out of school. She sees Jamie waiting for her. Wait, am I on the right spot? Yeah. Yeah. Jamie is waiting for her. And out of habit, she says she's kind of like going through the Rolodex of her mind. That's another old school reference for y'all there. To be like, what could I have possibly done? 
And Jamie basically is just like, hey, here's the deal. You're a senior in high school. It is fall. You, you know, obviously it's been a little bit of a transition for you. Your transcript isn't the best, but you have solid SAT scores. You are pretty bright, it appears. Like all all in all, you're you do seem like a pretty bright student. And I college, have you thought about it? Should you apply? Would you like to apply? I think you should apply. And she's all like, I don't really think I'm the college type of person because again, this isn't something she thought about because thanks to the American education system, she was like cannot afford it and and that she can't you know like many people but definitely in her situation this was a pipe dream for her to be able to afford something like that so she's all no I haven't really thought about it and he's like here's the thing I you know I talked to a guidance counselor which she's kind of blown away by the fact that like on her behalf he took his spare time to go talk to a guidance counselor which like Jamie we love that so sweet yeah I love that I really like, love I like, that. Bless him. And he's like, she says, you know, the guidance counselor says that she's, you know, thinks she still have a shot if you apply soon. So let's, you know, get it together. And if it works out, you know, and you get in, then that's an option. You don't have to to take it, but it's it's nice to have options, basically. Which there's one thing I learned from my boy Owen Armstrong. Yes, it is always nice to have options. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, that's that's what I got going. He's like, you know, I didn't really want to go to school. But I'm so glad I did. I, I wouldn't have met your sister if I wouldn't have gone to school. Like so many things. You know, I want to take my guitar and run off to New York. But I'm really happy the way my life turned out. So, you know, maybe you will be too. And so she's like, okay, this will kind of get you off my back. And then he's like, and also there's one more thing. And she's like, there's one more thing. Like what else could there be besides this college conversation? And that is, he's getting her her own fish for the pond. Yeah, he is. <laughs> Which is also very precious in my humble opinion. It's so precious. Jamie really, like, these next couple chapters, I just fall deeply in love with Jamie. He is so caring. He is so caring. Like, he's just so loving. Like, he's giving Ruby something she's never had. Like, he went into the school to talk to her guidance counselor to make sure she had this option. Like, her mother would never. Her mother would never. Like, exactly. and her father never would either. What did we? What happened to her father? Did he die? He like he ran uh, out on them when they were like really little, basically. Right, 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 right. I knew he didn't die, but I was like, where is he? But he doesn't exist. Where is he? How is he doing? <sighs> but guess who works at the fish store? Heather, which is surprising because she's like a super rich girl, but she has this like regular job, which honestly respect, respect to her, respect to her parents. Yeah, this scene gave me some more respect for Heather for sure. Yes, yeah. Oh, we do get they have this whole conversation about Nate, which Mm -hmm. is another kind of indication. Again, we've now seen his dad be like a creepo a couple of times, most recently with Roscoe the dog. And she's like, I'm really happy that you're friends with Nate and that he like has someone like you or something. She kind of says something like along those lines. And Ruby finds this strange for a couple of reasons. One, she's like, that's not typical ex-girlfriend behavior to be like, hey, happy that he's hanging out with another girl. So she's like, okay, Heather, like maybe you're not this terrible person. But also she's thinking, Nate has a lot of friends. Like, what does it matter if I'm friends with Nate? That's a strange thing to say. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, you know, it just it can't hurt to have another one or something. So again, it's this weird, like, what is going on in Nate's 
life, personal, behind closed doors, that his ex-girlfriend is very much like, I'm happy someone is there to like look out for him. And like she kind of gave off that sort of vibe, which is a weird thing to say, I feel like. So Mm -hmm. we'll touch back in. We'll, We'll check back in on that later on, obviously. Yes. I also like this part, too, where she says, like, never in a million years would I have imagined myself here by a fish take with Heather Rain White. Wainwright, she says, at first it had been easy to place myself in my former life, sitting at a desk at Jackson or in my old bedroom, but now it was like I was already losing my old life at the Yellow House without this one feeling real either. I was just stuck somewhere in the middle, vague and undefined. And yeah, Yeah. that's that's where our girl is right now. She is like, how did my life get here? What the hell is going on? Why am I picking up a koi fish? What the hell? Yeah, I think it's very understandable to feel like you don't really fit in either place. Like, yeah, can't imagine herself being at the Yellow House in Jackson anymore, but she definitely doesn't really feel like she belongs here yet either. Mm-hmm. Also, I love that she picks out a white koi and he gets a bunch of other fish, but he does not get any other white koi because he wants her to know. I know! I was like, oh my God, Jamie. Just like, he just thinks of everything. It's so cute. Honestly, such a stand-up guy. Like, such a stand-up guy. Oh, so cute. But she brings up, they bring the fish back, they put them in the pond, and she loves it. She sits there and watches it the whole time. And then Peyton comes to see her at her house. Oh, yeah. And she's (laughs) high as a kite. Oh, yeah. Real high. And she, uh, oh, my God. Ruby thinks that Jamie doesn't notice, but I think Jamie does notice and he doesn't care. That's my, that's how I read this. Um, But Cora Cora knows and Cora's like, no fucking thanks with this girl. I don't want you to be her friend. He he works in like tech. Like he works in like a social media company. You think he isn't hanging out with a bunch of stoners 24 seven. He is. He doesn't give it. You know what gives off rich stoner energy? A fucking pond with koi fish. A pond. Like you're you're telling me that he didn't smoke a bowl in his dorm room the night that he came up with youme.com. You're wrong. He one hundred percent was stoned out of his mind when he came up with this. Exactly. Exactly. He's just like a cutie little cutester. I love him so much. He's so, like, what a great guy. What a great guy. Huh. Um, so Jamie tries to get Peyton to stay for dinner, but she doesn't. Because it feels like in this scene that um, Ruby is kind of over Peyton. Like, she's kind of like, listen. Which is fair, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, I mean, where <laughs> has she been? Like, I know Ruby hasn't really reached out and given her her new number, but, like, I don't know. It just seems like this friendship was kind of surface level. There was nothing really to it. It's like when you have this really good friend at a restaurant you're working at and then you leave the restaurant and you never talk to that person again and you're like, hmm, that was my very good friend. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's very weird, but that is, yeah, that can 100% happen for real. Um. Yeah, I think it's just like, what do Peyton and Ruby have in common anymore? Right. You know, and I think that now Ruby's out of the situation. She's kind of realizing like, oh, we were only friends because of circumstance. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. 
so yeah, Cora basically. So after Peyton leaves, Cora is basically like, um, not really super into that girl. Doesn't really seem like your type. <laughs> um, maybe next time she comes over or in the future, if you have friends over, like let us know. That'd be great. And I think this is kind of funny because she threw a whole ass party without telling Ruby. Ruby just walked <laughs> into the house where there were like a hundred people there. But you know, okay, she just doesn't want her hanging out with Peyton. That's all it is. And it's probably because yeah. she's like, "This is your old life. This is the old you. Like we are, we're not, we're not doing this anymore." Girlfriend, yeah. Yeah, I love how Ruby's like, what? When in the future will I have friends over? Like, yeah. I don't have any friends, you know? <laughs> She's like, um, okay, Cora. Which again, like, I understand where Cora is coming from, but I also understand how Ruby is like, what the frick? I didn't invite her over. I, like, to have no friends. She showed up and I tried to get rid of her. Your husband over there is the one that's inviting her to I dinner. <laughs> She's like, I didn't invite her here. She's like, yeah. She's like, that's all. Look at, look at your man, you know? <laughs> look at your man. Is that your oh. man? Look at your man. Sorry, man. Tell your man. Oh, Lord. Chapter seven. She's back at the mall, baby, working with Harriet. And Harriet is still having uh, control issues. And she says, she, she asked her, like, why did you hire me? Like, you don't seem like you want me here. And she's like, truth. I'm overwhelmed. My orders are backed up. I'm constantly behind in my books and I'm completely exhausted. If it wasn't for caffeine, I'd be dead right now. Then let me help you. I'm trying, she said. Or I'm trying. She took a sip from her ever-present coffee cup. But it's hard. Like I said, I've always been a one-woman operation. That way I'm responsible for everything, good and bad. And I'm afraid if I rel- relinquish any control, I re- waited for her to finish. When she didn't, I said, you'll lose everything. And it's like, ding, 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 ding. We have a winner, folks. Yeah, again, how Harriet and Ruby are exactly the same person. Yep, yep, exactly. <laughs> They, they have the same mindset. They're like constantly scared of losing everything. Mm-hmm. But she says accepting, uh, Ruby says accepting help doesn't have to mean giving up control. And this is when it kind of occurs to her that that's kind of what she's been doing. Like she's let it, she's staying at Cora's. She's, you know, has this deal with Jamie for college and she's like, oh. Kind of taking a moment to be like, I'm doing that. And you should be proud of yourself. Yeah. yeah, that's growth, mm-hmm. girlfriend. We love it. We love that for you. We really do. <laughs> this is when we learn that Reggie has the hots for Harriet. Yes. And honestly, y'all, I ship it. I want the two of them together. Uh, she's all like, Harriet, you're blind. Reggie clearly likes mm-hmm. you. And she's like, no, no, we're just friends. That, that man gave you gink. Gink go. I pointed out friends don't do that. That's a great line. I think that's an absolutely fantastic. That line. is. <laughs> Want that to be totally known. And she's like, that's not. No way. No way. And she's like, yep. And then she says, what if it doesn't work? I can only focus on myself and this business. And. Ruby's like, I was going to tell her they already had a relationship, but I didn't want to push it. And. Then we get a flashback to a few days earlier. This is my favorite. Oh, this. Okay. Okay. But seriously, this part did make me a little teary. This is when I was like, okay, it's solidified. (laughs) Jamie is perfect. He bought them all matching shirts for their Christmas card. 
including one for yes. Roscoe. I Roscoe. literally cannot. And oh, I love it. I love it so like, much. Trying to talk about it, he's like matching shirts. Like that's kind of weird. And oh my god, he gets Roscoe in the shirt. It's so cute. And you know, Cora and Ruby are both like, oh, this isn't really like our kind of thing. And she's like, me and Ruby, like things were different in our house. And Jamie says, but that's one reason I really wanted to do this. And she said, what is? And he said, you, for you, I mean, and Ruby too, of course, because you know, you missed out on all those years. Goodbye. RIP me. I'm done. Done. It's, it's so cute. And then she says, you know, later when they're taking the picture, She's like, you have to understand, he's just like this. The house and the security, this whole life, he's always wanted to give me what I didn't have. It's really sweet, actually. It is really sweet. And now he's really immediately sweet. doing the same thing for his sister that he was not expecting to like have right. to raise and or like take care of financially. And he's going all in. He's paying for her to go to Perkins. He's talking to her guidance counselor. He's presumably going to help her pay for college. Like, oh, my is he perfect or is he perfect? Listen, he's per- there. I would usually say on record that there is no such thing as the perfect man, but Jamie from Lock and Key is out here to prove to me that I am clearly yes. wrong because he is perfect and he is awesome and he is exactly. And this goes for men, women, my non-binary pals out there, anyone in a romantic relationship. When you are with someone who has been through such a trauma, like Cora has, like Ruby has, like this is exactly. Like how, you know, like he just, he seems like he knows how to handle it very well. Like he seems like he just wants to give Cora everything, but like not in a super like pushy way. Like, yes, he goes out and he buys his shirts and whatever, but like, you know, that if Cora was like, no, honestly, like I really can't, I'm really not comfortable doing this. This isn't for me. I think he would take a step back. You know what I mean? But like, he's giving her all of these things because she didn't have them and, and he just wants her you know, again, Cora, in a sense, like, didn't have a childhood. Yeah. And and she, you know, she, she doesn't have a lot of happy memories. She doesn't have happy holiday memories. Like, Ruby's talking about, you know, what their Christmases were like, and they certainly weren't great. And I just think it's so lovely that, yeah, like, he not only does this, it seems like from the get-go with Cora, has been just an absolute gentleman and, and amazing and great at understanding the trauma that she went through. But, yeah, the fact that, Again, you know, it's it's not like he wanted. Who wants to like taking it a, a solely sulky teenage girl, you know? Oh, exactly. like, and and here they are. And, and again, I want to get mad props to Cora as well for doing this, obviously. Um, but yeah, I just think it shows like what great people both of them mm-hmm. are for for doing this, for opening up their their home, and you know, being like, we want to give you all of the things that you you know, should have experienced in life and haven't been able to yet. So mm. everyone out there just, wow. Uh, just, I don't know, take a, a little leaf out of Jamie's book or whatever and just be great. Like That's that. how you love people. <laughs> That's how you show people you love them. Yes. Like, that is just honestly yes. beautiful. And it's beautiful for Sarah to have come up with this. And I'm getting teary eyed just talking about it. We need to move on before we're both sobbing. I know I just, we're both too emotional for this. So we're going to, we're just going to zoom past, but I just wanted to go on record for saying that we are now officially a Jamie Stan account. Okay. Thank you. Moving on. <laughs> oh yeah. So then we're ta- we're back at school and Olivia's here. And 
she's like, thank you for the tip that my boyfriend's been cheating on me with Melissa for months and nobody told me and she's devastated. And then she says like, just let me know how we get even here. And Ruby's like, you don't owe me anything. And she's like, still I do like, I do owe you something. I don't like to be indebted to people. She has like a very similar mindset to Ruby. It's probably because of, you know, her background. And then her and Nate are kind of talking about Harriet. He's like, I want to organize her house. And this is when we find out that Nate is no longer, he has quit the team. I believe that is the swim team. Yes. His friend was like, yep. you had that U scholarship in the bag, man. What gives? And he's kind of uncomfortable and he's like, oh, I'm just busy. Um, so Ruby walks away to let him have this conversation, but so cute she's like even stranger though is being aware of this and not liking it and yet still finding yourself digging in deeper anyway like for instance consciously slowing your steps so it still looked accidental for someone to catch up from behind a little out of breath and walk with you the rest of the way so she unconsciously or she consciously slowed mm. down so that nate could catch back up to her and they could continue catch their walk to school yeah yes also can i just give some props to nate here for a second so far in this novel and going back to our love for for jamie which yes we love you jamie but i love that both of these you know sisters both ruby and cora have appeared to have found just like genuinely nice guys like like yeah she talks about how like perfect nate is and how he's so not her type because he is this like type a student body president student athlete extraordinaire but he just seems like a genuinely nice yeah. guy like when he's talking about cleaning up harriet's place it isn't out of like i want to make my dad and his business more money it's literally like bothering him that her house is a mess and like what teenage boy do you know like wants to go clean up a stranger's house but like he just seems like he genuinely is a nice guy who wants to like look out for people and has been super nice like the very first thing he met ruby was like willing to cover for her when she was trying to run away like it just yeah and it was it's just so it makes my heart really happy that ruby and cora have entered this world where there's just these genuinely nice people when obviously they went through so much in their life so we just i love that adorable it is thank adorable you. thank you boys for being nice i love that i drew a little smiley face next to that part <laughs> you're like oh she's slow she's she's starting to like walking in yeah. with him she says all this crap about it but deep down she does like she's it. so it's so, so cute. cute so then we are back at their house and we are looking at the new yumi 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 yeah. ad which is um it's about family. It's about friendship. It's about connection. Yumi.com. But one of the pictures is from the 70s. It's an old family photo, and it's actually his family photo. And mm. this is when Cora yep. comes down, and she's like, this is his huge family. It's crazy. They have so many people. You should see. You should have seen my wedding. And then there's... Ah, yeah, there's this. That's where like a record would like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they get the, everyone gets awkward, and yeah, they're like, oh god, and they just move on. Um, well, they don't really move on. They get interrupted because the 
Smoke alarm's going off, and poor Roscoe's scared of the smoke alarm. Oh, baby, baby boy. I also want to say that Cora says they want to call in a professional. Jamie's like, I'm not putting my dog on antidepressants. And he says, we can't keep coddling him. You know what the books say. Every time you pick him up or soothe him, when he's freaking out, you're reinforcing the behavior. And I would like to say that in the year 2023, that has actually been disproven. And not comforting your animal when they are in feeling distressed is very similar to not comforting your child when they feel stressed. Yeah. So definitely keep ignoring yeah, them. Keep comforting all small little things. Yes. <laughs> or big things in certain things. I think it's such a weird thing that for years, yeah, for both babies and dogs, it was like you have to let them learn how to self-soothe. And it's like, that's not an effing thing. That's not a thing. That's not how animals' brains are wired. That's not how humans' brains are wired. Just comfort people in their time of need. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it's okay to, yeah, it's, also, it's okay for your dog to be on antidepressants. Okay, my dog's on antidepressants. It's true. Some of them really need it. Yes. Like, massively, they need yeah, it. Yeah, dogs have <laughs> issues, too. Like, Zuko, you know. They got, they got my issues. My dog, Zuko, had, like, a really terrible first, like, two or three years of his life. I mean, he's got trauma like a human. It's, like, it's possible. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I think this is definitely a thing of the time. The Those mid to early aughts, was a very weird like you shouldn't medicate for your both in humans and in animals like obviously it's coming up in animals in this circumstance but I 100% remember that being a thing like on a lot of like teen dramas and other things that I would read and watch and stuff it was like you know I don't want to I don't want to be numb I don't want to go on these drugs and then make me numb or I won't be able to be creative or oh oh I can make a degrassi yes um, you know, when like Craig was diagnosed as bipolar and like he didn't want to take his mm-hmm. drugs and which actually that show was pro him taking his drugs, but thank you. Yes, because he should have. But yeah, so I just think it was like such a weird thing for a while that like, I, I don't know, people were like, yeah, you can take them, but you shouldn't be on them like forever or whatever. Like you need to like wean off of them was like a really big thing that I feel like was being pushed in this time frame. So I know it's like a weird offhand comment about their very like poor, scared, traumatized dog in this book. But also just randomly when I read that, I was like, yeah, that was such a weird thing about the early 2000s was we were all very like anti-pharmaceutical antidepressants. And now we're all like, hey, hey, you, you got mental health. You need to take medication for it. Like if someone, that's like telling someone who's diagnosed with diabetes, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we'll put you on insulin for a little bit, but like, you'll be fine one day. Right. And it's like, no, it's, a, it's like a lifelong thing. It's just so weird. But like we did for the lot and like still to this day, there's some discourse, but I feel like people are, are coming around. So anyways, that was my long soapbox tangent with a, a great little Degrassi reference thrown in there about what a weird time that we grew up in when people were like, Oh, it's okay if you got antidepressants, but like you shouldn't stay on them for your like life or whatever. And it's like, okay, it's like my drone damn business. Yeah, how about you get over yourself? But back, back to, this. to this. He so that he hits a little bit of a, a sore subject because, of course, as we know, Cora has been like very stressed out. She's about to go to fertility specialist. We're about to find out in the next page or two because there are some issues conceiving, and she's she's emotional about it, which a lot of women do yeah. go through their struggles. And 
families in general, both, you know, women and men trying to, to, to you know, start a, to have kids or whatever. It's, it's a whole process. But anywho, so he's all like, you know, it's he's a dog, not a child. This isn't a self-esteem issue. It's Pavlovian, okay? Which, first of all, Jamie, we said earlier you're a perfect man. The fact that you're all like, it's just a dog is a little bit of a knock for you yeah. here. But also, you're under duress. You're stressed out right now. I get it. Both of them are stressed. And so Cora just, like, goes off because she's upset and like again what they are really talking about right now without talking about it is them wanting to have kids so yeah and that's the conversation that they're really having behind the conversation about roscoe so which because usually like he's the one that babies roscoe more than cora does i think but yeah they're, they're having a, a side conversation in this conversation so anywho yeah. that is basically the end of that cora disappears jamie feels like crap and Poor Ruby is just sitting there awkwardly after this awkward confrontation. And she's like, your family looks really nice and your ad is nice. (laughs) And that's uh, about all she has to say. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's my mom. She's the one getting married in that photo. So she says she goes outside to wait for Nate. And then um, Denise calls up real quick and is, like, trying to make small talk. Because, of course, she first thinks it's Cora. And she's like, oh, no, actually, it's, it's me. It's Ruby. And so then she gets on the phone with her and this is where the cat kind of comes out of the bag that she's about to go have an appointment to check in to see about potential fertility issues and what they can do about it. And so Cora feels the need to come in and kind of tell her about it. And then she also basically says, hey, sorry, I know it got kind of awkward there in a minute when I brought up the wedding. And I just want you to know that it's water under the bridge. Like, I'm not mad at you and mom for not coming and Ruby's like, hold the front door. You're not mad at us for not coming. We weren't invited. Like, what? And this is where it all kind of starts to unravel. And we find out, like we assumed earlier, and also slash I kind of remembered from reading the book before, <laughs> that Cora has always been trying to reach out and that her mom probably has been hiding that from her. So she's like, I brought that invitation directly to mom and I begged her to come and I begged her to let you come and of course this is everything that Ruby has thought in the last 10 years of her life she has just found out is a lie and she like immediately goes into the kind of like the five stages of grief and she just starts denying it at first and she's like no you didn't no you didn't there's no way mom would have told me like this can't be true and so she's like of course I tried to reach you and she says that um you know so of course this is when Nate pulls up which is like not great time And so she says, uh, where does she kind of, she breaks. Oh, so Ruby's like, you know, you, you didn't try whatever. So she says, um, this is where Cora says, well, you're wrong. She said, think about it. All those moves, all those houses, a different school every time, the job she can never hold, the phone that was rarely hooked up and then never put in her real name. Did you ever wonder why she put down fake addresses on all your school stuff? Do you ever think that was kind of accident? Do you have any idea how hard she made it for me to find you? And so it's just like all these little pieces of the puzzle are clicking together because Ruby was always told it's creditors, it's it's pesky landlords, it's this, it's that. Like these are the reasons we move all the time. These are the reasons we do all of this. And it turns out that it was her mom trying to keep her and Cora separated and to keep Cora from basically Cora coming and taking Ruby mm-hmm. from her. And this is heavy. Yeah. Like this is big. This is like earth shattering news, I would say for 
for Ruby and I mean potentially Cora for not maybe realizing this like I think maybe Cora really thought like she maybe didn't know all of it but that she had to know that she was trying to get her to reach her to be her sister to take her out of that situation and yeah Ruby obviously had absolutely no idea yeah yeah and she said she says like I've I kept trying to reach out she swore that she would tell you um she you know Cora wanted to get the courts involved and then she said she was so afraid of being alone of leaving you too that she never gave you the chance of you leaving too she, that she never gave you the chance until this year when she knew that you'd be turning 18 and you could and most likely would so what did she do she left you left you alone in that filthy house before you could do the same to her oh boy yeah yeah and I like that that's the part that kind of finally makes it real yeah. to Ruby because that's something she understands. Like, she's like, oh, shit, she's right. Is she left? Because, again, Ruby is constantly being left. And so she's like, well, her husband left her. Her daughter left her. Her other daughter was probably going to leave her. Of course she would want to be the one who gets to be doing the leaving this time. And, like, that's what kind of makes it finally, in such a sad way, like, makes it finally click to her that what Cora is telling her is, you know, is true. Yeah. And this is a lot for Ruby. And she's, like, about to, she's, like, wants to sob. She wants to cry. But mostly she wants to get the fuck out of here. And. Yeah. Then, so Nate pulls up at the perfect time and Cora's like, please don't leave. I don't want to leave it like this. Like, Ruby, please. But Ruby's like, no, I, I gotta go. And everyone can tell Jarvis and Nate can both tell something's wrong, but she won't talk about it, of course. She's thinking about how the phones were never hooked up. The graduation announcement was sent and her mom said it was just sent automatically. It's just you and me, baby. Just you and me. Which was a lie. I also really like that on the back of the bus that she's focusing on, the ad reads, it's a festival of salads. And I think we need to put it's a festival of salads on our next merch drop. Yes, I love it. I also like this is such a heavy, important scene. And I got to this page and I just went (laughs) like I laughed out loud when I read it's a festival of salads. It's a festival of salads. I love it. We we are making merch that says that a thousand percent. And then we find out here that uh, Nate has talked to Darvis's mother about his behavior and if he keeps acting up in the car and upsetting Ruby, he's going to have to go uh, riding with another group of children who are very young and he would have to walk from the lower school. And he's not about that. I love... I love that Nate's trying to be a good guy. We get our first You Swim reference, which we do own shirts of. We do. We do. So we're kind of a bit. Oh, given to us personally by Sarah Dustin herself. It's casual, though. It's super casual. No big deal. But they pull up to the school and Nate and she feels like Nate is like looking at her to get a thank you for talking to Jarvis's mom. I don't think that's what's happening, but that's what Ruby is telling herself. Yeah, correct. And she just says, but I was so tired suddenly of being everyone's charity case. I never asked anyone to help me. If you felt compelled to anyway, that was your problem, not mine. And she's like fully just like losing it. Like she should not be at school really, but 
good news is she doesn't stay at school because she yeah. has a breakdown in the bathroom and then she sees Olivia leaving early. Um, she's not skipping. She got permission. And yeah. Ruby is like, take me with you. And Olivia's like, um, you can sneak out of school yourself and get to the quick sip and I'll pick you up. But I'm not helping you sneak out of the school because I'm not getting in trouble. Yep. And she's like, all right, that sounds like a deal. You'll be even since you owe me. And I, it's a big ass. So yes, I'll meet you at, meet you at the quick sip. And yeah, I agree. She probably shouldn't be at school, but she probably should have just when Cora was like, we can't leave it like this. Been like, yeah, you're right. And stayed at home with her and not like even tried. And I also agree that I think Nate was looking at her in more of a, hey, something is clearly wrong. Yeah. What's going on? Like, are you okay way? And of course, she's so in her head right now that she just slips, which is a thousand percent understandable. Yeah. But yeah, what a cliffy. I like, I can't drop that bombshell and stop there. But we're gonna. But we're gonna. <laughs> we're gonna. Because we will talk for another five hours if we read anymore. So mm-hmm. that's all you get. You're gonna have to tune in next week <laughs> for more excitement. Look at us. We both made it to the end with our audio. I apologize if mine sounds like crap. I want you to know I've already Amazon primed the new wire. It will be coming everyone. The next episode will hopefully be good. Knock on wood. Yes. Yes. So anyway, this, these were, these were heavy chapters. If they affected you, take some time, take some deep breaths, go to your happy place and Zen out for a little while. Shut your phone off, do whatever you need to do. And even if these chapters didn't get to you, do that anyway, take care of yourselves come and join us for some more lock and key next week yes. cool we'd love that that'd be great we love that we love <laughs> you bye yes we do bye bye everyone take care of yourselves much love, love.